I also want to give a one shout out to Eric and Wednesday night. The Wednesday night Bible study is really good. If you're able to be there, it, it it's unique. We're doing something really unique, and it's different. It's a, it's a Torah study of the Old Testament, the first five books, and we just got done talking about the feasts of Israel, and it's uh it's going good. It's got he's got his own group there. There's people, a lot of people coming, and just it, it's it's really something. It's unique, and it's and uh, I really look forward to going through the the Old Testament with the intentionality that Eric is is doing. So I want to encourage you, if you are able, not everyone can do something on a Wednesday night. I realize that. If you can, that it's good. It, how many times did I say it's good? It's, what's a good word? Um, it's beautiful, not beautiful, but whatever. <laughs> it's wonderful. Okay, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. We had a discussion this past week that was just, wow, it was rip-roaring. That's a word for it. We had a rip-roaring discussion, and it was very interesting and very edifying. So I encourage you to consider that. And uh, let's go to Galatians 5. In fact, let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'll just quote to you from, um, from Galatians 5 because we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Today we're at peace. Peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, we're on the third one, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're going through the individual parts of the fruit of the Spirit, and today is peace. We want to look at it through the lens of anxiety. Anybody have anxiety? You have worries? You have problems? Oh, I get it. Okay. I guess you do, don't you? We all have sorrows and confusions and so many things that go on in our lives. Now, there's three main types of peace that we experience. Peace with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1, right? Right, right, Tim? Romans 5.1 says we have peace with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first one. And that means that Jesus came and rescued us. That's not yet. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, that, that is coming up. Hold on to that. The first one is peace with God because we were not we were born separated from God. Jesus came to reconcile us to himself. Second one is peace with others, and that's being a peacemaker. And the third one, you can put that up now, actually. That's a good time to do it, is peace within ourselves. It's the peace of God as is described. You know, the heaviest burdens we carry are the thoughts in our head. We're going to talk about, yeah, you like the picture? <laughs> But the reality is what we're going to be casting on the Lord today is not our circumstances, but the way we think about and worry about it. That's the problem that we need to, to solve today. We're talking today about giving peace a chance. Because like last week when we talked about joy, we talked about indeed the fruit of the Spirit comes from God. It comes through the Spirit. But we have a responsibility to put ourselves in the right position to receive it. How do we give peace a chance? It comes from the Holy Spirit, but we do have a responsibility to put ourselves in a position to receive that peace, to live out that peace, to let it come through us. Today we're going to look at that. That's why I'm in First Peter today. Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, if you'd read with me. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, 
that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's our focus today. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. I was a really good caster when I was a kid. I mean fishing. Uh, I'm not much of a fisherman because all I wanted to do was cast and cast and cast. And you don't catch too many fish that way. But sometimes I would cast over and over, and a small group would come to watch, go, wow, how far can you cast that? I'd go, boo, and that thing would go way, way, way out. My um, proudest accomplishment was that in Florida once, we were fishing on the shore, and there was this alligator way out there. I'm, I'm getting that alligator. <laughs> and I, sure enough, my bobber hit it on the head. Then it went, and I went, keep your eyes open, everybody. <laughs> But I, it never came near us. But that's what I like to do. And um, I wish I was as good. I don't know if I could cast anything now. But I wish I was as good at casting my cares upon the Lord as I was at that other kind of casting. I have found that I don't always do so well on that. How about you? Okay, It's a trick. It, it's, it's hard sometimes to give our problems and cast them on the Lord Jesus. And we want to look at that today, how we can do that more consistently, more effectively. To give peace a chance, we need to do a couple things. We need to face our anxieties, we need to cast our anxieties, and then we need to stand in our assurance that God cares for us. Okay? We need to face them, cast them, and then we need to stand on the assurance he cares for us you let's look at facing our anxieties first now you may say wait a minute why do i need to face my anxieties they're very obvious to me if you were asked me i'm anxious about this 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 well here's the thing they are obvious perhaps but what we need to face is the truth about our anxieties we have to call them out so we can cast them off because sometimes what we do is we just go along with our anxieties, thinking I don't have any options. I want to challenge that right up front. We do have options when we're anxious. We do not have to live as victims of our anxiety. Peter uses the word for anxiety, by the way. It's the word to divide or distract. And so you want to say, what, how do I know what I'm anxious about? Maybe it's... You could say it's when you're going through your day trying to do things and you cannot help but be distracted by it. I'm thinking about this and I'm always, this always comes up. I start thinking, I'm trying to accomplish this task and I can't get this thing off my mind and my mind's divided. And I find myself dropping things, breaking things, making mistakes because I'm distracted by what I'm anxious about. You, you, does that, that, that's the idea of anxiety. It's something we carry with us. We can't really do anything without returning to worry about this issue. Now, Peter tells us not to carry our anxieties and not to nurture them. He does not say deny them. He does not say ignore them or run away from them. And if we do that, they're going to keep following us, and they will catch us. Have you found your anxieties are faster than you can run? Have you found if you get on a plane, fly far away at a great speed, you get off the plane, and guess what? Your anxieties are at the bottom of the, st the stairs waiting for you. Hi, I've been waiting for you. Right? Because when we go somewhere and run away, who do we bring? We bring ourselves. 
and we bring our anxieties with us. You can't run from them. You can't ignore them. That's the way to make it worse. So um, we want to face it. We want to acknowledge our anxieties clearly. Here's what I'm talking about. We want to, first of all, not just default or surrender to anxiety. We tend to think, I have no choice. I'm anxious about this. It's going to take me over, and I don't have anything I can do about it until the problem is solved. Not true. It's a choice we make in our minds to dwell, to build on it. We let anxiety grow and thrive and define our lives. We don't have to be overtaken. Okay? We're told we can cast that on the Lord. We're going to talk about how to do that. It doesn't have to run us and run our lives. Secondly, it doesn't eliminate what we're talking about. Casting our anxieties on the Lord does not eliminate responsibility or actions we need to take. We cast the anxiety on the Lord, not the issue we're f- that's making us anxious or the person that's making us anxious. Okay? Now, maybe you may need to cast the person, too, because Lord changed them or I'll kill them. <laughs> Have you ever been there? <laughs> Let's be real. Um, but um, but if anything, when we cast the anxiety upon the Lord and we call it out, and we face it, casting it on the Lord makes us face it more intensely. For example, let me give you an example. I don't know if how to word this except to give you an example. Let's say that a retirement's approaching and we're anxious because we know we haven't done enough to prepare for retirement. And I'm anxious, okay? Scared. We cast the anxiety upon the Lord, but then we have to figure out what to do to, to make that right. Right? We don't just say, okay, I cast it on the Lord. I'm going to ignore it now. Bad idea. Okay, so you have to do something about it. Um, you cast the anxiety a person calls, causes you upon the Lord. You can't cast the person out of your life unless it's a very extreme circumstance. There are times when we have to do stuff like that, but that's rare. needs to be rare. So... If anything, when we cast our anxiety upon the Lord, we plead with him for wisdom and strength to deal with what we have to deal with. We give him the worry. We give him the anxiety. We give him the fear. And we say, Lord, I am desperate to know what to do about this. And I need courage to face it. And I need wisdom. And I need strength. Because have you ever re- noticed that when you're very, very anxious, you don't make good decisions and find good solutions? Anybody discovered that? I, I have. I make bad decisions. I make hasty decisions. I make rash decisions and do rash things, and it doesn't turn out pretty. Face our anxieties and the truth about them. The third thing Okay, we, 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 we still need to take action where we need to, even if we cast our, in fact, more so since we cast our cares on the Lord. Secondly, we are not victims of our anxiety. But the third thing is we, we tend to think anxiety is, in fact, taking responsibility. I'm being responsible for this struggle because I'm worried about it. Is that really responsible? It really isn't, is it? Are we fixing it or preventing it if we worry about it? No. Or we think that worry is caring. If I don't worry, I don't care about the person. Is that true? 
It's not. Worry, we think, keeps me in control of it. Is that real? No, it's an illusion. We're not in control. Worry is not caring. Caring is caring. Worry is not fixing things. Fixing things is fixing things. Worry is just energy we spend going in circles, running on a, on a, mouse, on a hamster wheel. Okay? Face our anxieties and the truth about them. Okay? Secondly, we cast our anxieties. That's the second thing we do. Cast, you're casting our anxieties upon him because he cares for you. This is the main thrust of what we'll hear about today. The word casting in verse 7 occurs one other time in the New Testament, and that is in Luke 19.35, and um, it's where Jesus had a colt, and they, or they, the disciples went to get a colt, and they brought it to Jesus, and they cast their garments over it. So you can see the picture of what this word means. Throw it over the donkey. That's the casting. It's a simple and straightforward meaning. If you, wanna, if you have a garment and you want an animal to carry it for you, you cast it on. You don't carry it anymore. Now, that's what we're to do with our anxieties is hurl, cast, thrust, toss our anxieties upon the Lord. It's a powerful word. It's a very intentional and active word. Now, what you don't want is the people that are moving your furniture to have this word in mind. Okay? Ever been there? You ever been there at the end of a move? I'm thinking about moving because we've done it recently. You ever been at the end of a move and you have this truck full of stuff and you've got all these odds and ends and you just, eventually you get to the back of the truck, you go, you ever done that? I have. I don't even know what happened to what the, the items I was. Here's another thing. Oh, cast them. Just get them on the truck. Well, anyway, we don't want to be that that way with our casting. We want to intentionally take, face our anxieties, face what troubles us, face what we're afraid of, face what grieves us, and cast it upon the Lord. By the way, another word about this casting. Notice that the word casting is not actually a command in itself. It reads that way in the NIV. But if you look at it, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, and verse 6 is a command, and casting is a participle. It may function as a command, but it only functions as a command if it does at all because of the word humble yourselves. So casting, one thing we need to cast our anxieties upon the Lord is humility. To recognize that God has it's God's mighty hand and we are to cast we are to humble ourselves before him. And it almost could read, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand by casting our anxieties upon him. Now what's the connection between humbling ourselves before God under his mighty hand and casting our anxieties on him? Well, think about it. Why do we often hang on to our worries? You want control. Humble yourselves. You're not in control. Face that reality. We already talked about that. There's a connection between humility and faith. No, I can't let go because I want my way. And I'm afraid of what God's going to do if I humble myself before him. Cast my, my anxiety on him. 
I don't want God to control my life. I don't want him to take me in a direction I don't want to be. I don't want to be a missionary in Pango Pango. I don't want to eat bugs. And, of course, that's, that's stereotypical, but that's the way we often think. Think of the worst thing I could never do that I'd be terrible at, that I dreaded all my life, that I break into highs when I think about it, and that's what God's going to do in my life. <laughs> well, that's not true. We may face things like that, but it's not that that's not how God operates and sends us according to his will. God often works through our strengths and our passions. It says, you love the people of Pango Pango. You long to reach them. Is there a real Pango Pango, by the way? I don't think there is. Let's say Kathmandu, okay? <laughs> but and I, I think we get that. That's part of the fall where we tend to be suspicious of anything God does because we think, yeah, God's not going to want our best. He's going to always want our worst at mind. That's insanity. But we can be insane, especially when we're anxious. In fact, anxiety is, when, we're, when I'm worried, I'm insane to some degree, right? Because it's like I'm all over the place and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not coherent. I'm not logical. <laughs> there is God, a mighty God we are to cast, we are to humble ourselves before. And part of doing that is saying, Jesus, truly take the wheel and drive this car. The third thing we do then, we've already hinted at, stand in our assurance. We face our anxieties, call them out, call them what they are, identify the lies about anxiety that it can take over our lives. Okay, that's one of those lies. The, the, that's, that's one of the big lies we have facing our anxiety. What are the other ones? That we have no choice over it. We, it just takes over and we can't do anything. That, that when we cast our anxieties, we don't have to do anything. We don't have any responsibilities left. We do. In fact, casting our anxieties is often how we get to where we start solving our problems. And we think that I, wor I have to worry about it or I don't love the person that's struggling or I don't care about the issue. Or we think that worrying is actually doing something about it. And if I worry about it, it won't happen. Or I'll stop it from happening by worrying. Then those are all lies. Those are all false. Then we cast it upon the Lord. We cast it out upon him. We do not, we do not go to our default, which just goes along with it, and we run with it and let it grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and take over our lives. And the third thing we do is now we stand in our assurance. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's very definitely a causal statement. Because he, we could do it this way. We could start at the bottom and say, God cares for you. Therefore, cast your anxieties upon him. It's the same thing. It's built upon do we believe that God cares for us? The degree to which I believe that God cares for me is going to, be, is going to define how successfully I cast my cares upon him. And if I'm leery of how much God cares for me, I'm going to be leery in casting my cares upon him, right? That's exactly right. 
if I think God is not going to do the best thing in my life and I can't trust him, then that will be the case. No wonder we're so messed up. The fall has made us like the tempter in the Garden of Eden who says, God's out to trick you and keep the best stuff from you. Remember Eve? That's the temptation. God knows if you eat of this fruit, Eve, you'll be like him, knowing between good and evil. God's keeping stuff from you. you got to go outside of God's will to get the really good stuff for your life. Same lie that we say, I can't humble myself and cast my anxieties and my worries upon the Lord and my griefs and my confusions upon him because I can't trust him. But if you look at the verses I put on your outline, they powerfully tell us that we can trust God, that he does take care of us. For example, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, what? Who can be against us? Okay. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, okay. Get how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Um, first, jo- first John 3, 1. Oh, man. This is a, John's teaching on the second coming, and then he just interrupts and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. See what great a love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. He interrupts his flow of thought and starts getting all emotional and says, wow, just think about the love God has lavished upon us. And we're like, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you have to catch up with John and say, he so quickly shifts. He just starts getting blessed. Our kind of church doesn't do that very often. (laughs) You know, here he comes. We're just going to emote. We're just going to shout how much God loves us. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's what he's doing. You didn't think that was in the Bible, did you? That's what John is doing. Yeah. But listen to what Charles Spurgeon writes about. And because we're in Galatians on the fruit of the spirit, I want to talk, tell you, I want to mention what God, I mean, what God has given Charles Spurgeon to say to us. How's that for getting for a word mistake that you can make it up? Um, <laughs> Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. <clears throat> in the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me read you what Spurgeon says regarding that he cares for you. Take this in. Receive this. Everybody in a good receiving position, okay? Don't argue with it. Don't analyze it because do that later. Watch it on YouTube. Listen to it on our blog and receive it. But right now, receive the main point. Paul thinks not of what he did for the Lord, but of what the Lord had done for him. He dug down to the foundation of salvation. He traced the stream back to the fountainhead. Therefore, he spoke of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to truly hear these eight words and that his gracious influence will move over your heart, soul, mind, and strength and awaken gratitude and awe for this reality. I pray for the Spirit's witness that we are children of God 
so that we can come to say with as much confidence as Paul himself could say it, that he loved me and gave himself for me. If this love is poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit, you will understand the wondrous fact that the everlasting Father, the beloved Son, and the Holy Spirit, the great Trinity in unity, loves you. Oh, delight yourselves in this glorious truth. Dive into it and be filled with it. He loved me and gave himself for me. The son gave himself for you when he assumed your human nature, became bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. He gave himself through a life of toil and perfect righteousness. He gave himself for you as your substitute when he bore our sins in his body on the tree. Take these words of the apostle, sink them into your heart, Taste their sweetness in your mouth till they melt into your very soul, who loved me and gave himself for me. His love is an abiding love. He cannot love me more. He will not love me less. He has loved me at no period more than he loves me now. Sit down, child of God, and say to yourself, Here I have something which I shall never lose. It cannot be taken from me. Oh, that by grace I may be enabled to rejoice in it and to return the love of my poor heart to him who never ceases to love me, who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, the glorious truth that he loved me and gave himself for me. No faith except a personal faith will save. Another man's faith will not save me. I must know Christ himself. Some say that such faith is individualism, selfish. I answer that it is nonsense to say so. A wife is not thought to be selfish because she rejoices in her husband's love. How can the bride of Christ be thought selfish to rejoice in her Savior's love? To be truly useful in the Lord's service, you must first in your own experience know the truth of the apostle's words, who loved me and gave himself for me. Such a sense of the love of Christ will affect your whole life. It will go on increasing its power in your whole heart, soul, mind and strength until your life is lived wholly in the key of love. How about that? Who loved me and gave himself for me. By and by we shall come to die. We need not dread the grave. We need not dread the judgment for he loved us and gave himself for us. Who is he who condemns now that Christ has died and risen and sits at the right hand of God to plead for us? He who loved us and gave himself for us. In Revelation, even heaven sings unto him who that loved us and freed us from our sins in his own blood. You still listening? You still receiving? Oh, dear hearers, I stand here. I try to talk to you in my feeble ways about these great truths. Do you realize them yourselves? If not, I pray the Lord will disquiet and disturb you until you do. That the witness of the Holy Spirit will awaken your hearts to this truth. Seek him. Seek him. Seek him. Trust in the Savior's finished work. Let his love saturate your being and awaken his love in your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And tune your life into the key of love with the words, who loved me. And gave himself for me. Yes. He loved me. And gave himself for me. 
He cares for you. He cares for us. Therefore, we become positioned to be able to take our worries, our anxieties, and cast them upon him. And therefore, we become empowered to face those issues with greater strength and clarity than ever before. Because until the anxiety is cast upon him, we can be very scatterbrained and very confused. So, here's what we want to do. We want to consider, first of all, what are your anxieties? Anybody have anxieties? Anybody have worries? There, the heaviest burdens we carry are the thought. In fact, those are the real burdens. By the way, this is, I, okay, I forgot to get to this. I'm sorry, Maren, I always do this to her. I am not in control. I'm deeply loved by the one who is. It's the illusion is that we are not that we are in control when we're worrying, but we're not. We're not in control. What we need to remember is that we are not, and we are deeply loved by Him who is. Thank you, Maren. That's a great quote right there. Deeply loved by Him who is in control. Okay. What we want to do is face our anxieties and cast them upon the Lord. Because he is the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And we know he cares for us. On the back of your bulletin is a prayer of release that I'm asking you to take home for the week. Because it is based on 1 Peter 5, 7 and praying in a way that will enable us to cast our cares and our burdens and our anxieties upon the Lord. But right now, do you know that he loves you and that he cares? Is there somebody here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior? You remember God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Is there someone here that says, cast my anxieties upon the Lord? You're talking about a level of relationship I've never even thought of before. I don't even know how to respond to such a thing. You can do that with God? You can know God that way? Yes, you must know God that way. Is there anybody who doesn't says, I want to I want to know God. I want to pray, and I want to know Jesus in such a way that I am able to be loved by him and cast those burdens upon him. And then we need to cast those things on him. Now, every week, we come forward for prayer, and we do exactly this, don't we? We have a prayer time during the last song, and people come forward, and every week we cast those things upon the Lord. That's what we're doing, and I want to invite you to do that today during the last song, which is once again, which is a powerful song. Once again, I look upon the cross where you died. Humbled by your mercy, I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Cast them on. Pour out our lives. Look at the cross, which is the proof that he loves us and gave himself for us. Amen? In a few minutes, we'll do that. Right now, please, I'm going to read the prayer of release. And what I want you to do is get in your minds 
face something you're anxious about that's a burden to you, that's a concern, that's an anxiety. As usual, I'm preaching about this in the morning and last night late. I, I had a brand new a brand new anxiety cast upon me that I have had to cast upon the Lord all morning in order to even get up here today. <laughs> and uh, and I've used this prayer quite a bit. So, ready? Heavenly Father, I release to you the burdens that I've been carrying, burdens that you never intended for me to carry. I cast all my cares upon you, all my worries, all my fears. You have told me not to be anxious about anything, but rather to bring everything to you in prayer with thankfulness. Father, calm my restless spirit, quiet my anxious heart, still my troubling thoughts with the assurance that you are in control. I let go of my grip upon the things that I have been hanging on to. With open hands I come to you. I release to your will all that I am trying to manipulate. I release to your authority all that I'm trying to control. Ouch. I release to your timing all that I've been striving to make happen. Yowza. I thank you for your promise to sustain me, preserve me, guard all that I have entrusted to your keeping. Protect my heart and mind with your peace, the peace that passes all understanding. Father, may your will be done in my life, in your time, and in your way. Let's... Pray together as the team comes and gets ready to have our closing song where we will join to cast our cares upon the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who wants us to cast our anxieties. While none of us like anxieties, <laughs> I think we do sometimes. I, I think sometimes we really like to be feel in control and feel the, the uh, adrenaline and... Um, Give us honest hearts that want to face our anxieties in honesty, that they don't solve anything, they don't prevent anything, that it doesn't mean that we care or that we're active because we're worrying. That actually means that we're wasting time and losing ground. And Give us the courage to understand that default me mechanism of worry, that it isn't really a good one. It doesn't work. In fact, it dishonors you. It divides us. And then, Lord, give us the uh, courage to cast our anxieties upon you, knowing that that's an act of humbling ourselves and surrendering ourselves that can lead to change and true resolution and true strength, even as we continue to go through the trials. And, Father, we pray for the, most importantly, the grounding in our hearts to know that you love us and gave yourself for us in the person of Jesus Christ, and you care for us. May we operate in all that we do in the Christian life and in ministry through that perspective. The cross, the gospel, shows us your true love, what you truly feel about us, and how you truly have given on our behalf and done for us. You ran to us, as Mike said. You ran to us because you wanted us to come back so badly. Thank you. We now spend this time in worship and prayer, casting our anxieties upon you.